Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today's going to be fun. Today's going to be fun for several reasons, which we'll get into in just a minute. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce. And we are thrilled to underwrite this program and bring some amazing guests to you. I have a question for you. How is your YouTube game? Are you using YouTube to help scale your e-commerce business? Hopefully, you're using YouTube both as a remarketing vehicle and also for top of funnel growth. However, if you're like most e-commerce companies, then you're probably not fully leveraging YouTube. So I have two free resources for you. The first is a two-minute crash course on YouTube ads. I recorded this with the famous Ezra Firestone. So you can check that out by looking at the links in the show notes to this show. You can also Google Smart Marketer and Two Minute Crash Course, and you'll find the resource there. Also, we recorded a 90-minute webinar outlining exactly how we scale with YouTube. We talk about keys to a great YouTube ad. We talk about audience targeting. We talk about bidding, optimization, and much, much more. So I highly, highly recommend you check it out. You can also find that linked here in the show notes. It's also at the bottom of the two-minute crash course page. So check them out and start scaling with YouTube. And now, back to the show. My guest today is Miss Kiri Masters. Now, Kiri's the founder and CEO of Bobsled Marketing and the founder of the Marketplace Institute. She's also a fellow podcaster. She is the host of the e-commerce brain trust. Love that name. Love that name <laughs> for the podcast. It's awesome. She's also the author of the Amazon Expansion Plan and her brand new book, Hot Off the Presses, Amazon for CMOs, which I also love that title and love that angle. Also, here's from Australia. And, you know, Australian accents, they're just charming. So if you ever, if you find <laughs> me at a loss for words on this podcast, it's because I wasn't listening to what Kiri was saying. I was just saying, man, that's a cool accent. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to dig into several things related to Amazon and uh, how to grow your Amazon business. What are some lessons you can learn from CMOs, big CMOs that is, and lots of other Amazon topics, which would be a lot of fun. So with that, Kiri, uh, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Brett. It's great to be here. I've been listening to your various podcasts in all their shapes and forms for at least the last four years. It's amazing. I was thrilled to hear that. I thought it was only my family that listened mm -hmm. to the Llama Commerce show way back in the day. Shout out to Kurt Theobald, my former co-host. Uh, so it was great to hear that you uh, listened to that podcast back in the day. Uh, so, so let's dive in. You know, you you help. Well, actually, why don't, why don't you tell people what you do at Bobsled Marketing and just give us a little bit of context and let's dive into some Amazon topics. Sure. Well, we're just talking before the call about all the the various projects that as entrepreneurs we get pulled into or d dream up ourselves. Um, but if my... you're not slightly, at least <laughs> slightly biting off more than you can chew, then I wonder. <laughs> how deep that entrepreneur spirit is in you. Not questioning anybody, that's but that's right. just typical. If you're an entrepreneur, you're probably always trying to bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, exactly. There's there's six projects on the go. And yeah, so my main thing is Bobsled Marketing, which is the agency that I founded almost five years ago that helps brands with their Amazon channel. So similar to OMG Commerce, we help brands with advertising on Amazon, but we also do... Um, organic marketing, operations, brand protection, all the sort of 
um, you know, the really unsexy stuff with Amazon, not just the... But very uh, necessary. Very necessary, exactly. So we went really deep on the Amazon channel. Um, and so that is, that's what I've spent the last few years doing. In the last couple of years, I, I started the podcast, E-Commerce Brain Trust. I started writing for Forbes, published a book, published another book um, called Amazon for CMOs, which we might talk about a little bit, some of the findings from that. And then also the Marketplace Institute is a new spin on what we've done at Bobsled for a long time, recognizing that like mid-sized brands need just as much help deciphering Amazon as a uh, as a beginner who might be taking a course or something like that. We've taken a lot of the processes and the learnings that we've gathered at Bobsled, put them into a knowledge base and also opened up our team um, as a hotline to answer calls from um, e-commerce managers and e-commerce directors within medium-sized brands because uh, there, we discovered there's a real need for brands to continue, continue accessing best practices and expert knowledge. Fantastic. Love that. Love that. Now, my first question is going to be primarily for people. It's going to primarily benefit people that are watching this. So if, okay. if, you, if you listen, if you listen to the show, check out the show on YouTube too, because it's kind of fun. But you're a podcaster, so I got to know what's the story behind your setup. So I'm looking behind you. Are those sound panels? Um, what, what what is on the wall there? It looks very interesting. Oh, this is not going to satisfy you very much because I'm actually just at a co-working space and I, okay. ducked in, <laughs> yeah. I ducked into a phone booth and I have actually. So I've got an ATR um, USB mic, which is not really exciting. The Bose headphones, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. since the lighting's not very good, I just put my um, the flashlight on my on my phone to get a bit better lighting. That's brilliant! What a good hack! Um, There's like this. I was pretty desperate. Effect. Otherwise, it's like this. Yeah. Also, the entrepreneur spirit there. Don't have proper lighting. Turn on the turn on the the flashlight on your camera. Love it. Hack it. Uh, hack everything hack it. you can. Now you gotta go. You gotta go watch the video if you're not watching it already. <laughs> so that that's awesome. Uh, love that. Love that intro. So let's let's dive in. A um, couple of things I want to look at. So one, what what do see, so it's your new book kind of targeting CMOS. What do CMOs of big brands know about Amazon that maybe the rest of us don't or that maybe small and scrappy Amazon sellers don't know? Yeah, so so big brands are often coming at the Amazon opportunity from a different angle. They're often um, have been dealing with, with a wholesale business model for a long time, perhaps decades, in some cases centuries. And the... The Amazon model where you, unless you're a really big brand, you don't have someone holding your hand, sitting down with you for lunch every three months and placing an order with you. It's so self-directed and so automated. That's a real um, surprise to a lot of a lot of brands that have come from a historically wholesale background. Um, and so one thing that's that a lot of big brands have had to come to a realization um, with is that Amazon's not just a distribution channel, it's a marketing channel. And I think that the most effective brands operating on Amazon today, they can be large and they can be small and scrappy, is looking at Amazon as a full stack opportunity. There is media, there is paid search, there is organic content and brand building opportunities. And then all of that is underwritten by 
fulfillment and operations and and all of that distribution channel stuff that is going to either boost or, or undermine your ability to market properly on the platform. So I think that the best CMOs look at the full picture and understand we're not just talking about brand, we're not just talking about content, we're not just talking about distribution. Everything needs to work together and um, they need to also bring their entire organization along on the journey to get everyone on board. Otherwise, something's going to break in the chain. It's all going to fall down. Absolutely. I love that. Talking about the full stack, the full... What what is what are the, what is the the complete offering that Amazon can provide to you? And as you start to talk about all of those things, so of course it is distribution, of course it is a marketplace, but there's also there there's advertising opportunities, and then there's place to build your brand, and there there's data available to you through Amazon through different ad platforms that they offer and things like that. And so it's very common for someone to be on on Amazon and only be capitalizing on a, on a small sliver of what they could be getting yes. on Amazon. And I think one of the keys is to capitalize on the full stack, so to speak. And I love that language. Um, can't do it by yourself. You're going to need some help. You need mm-hmm. to, to, to pull some people in. And so I uh, want to talk about building a team, right? So building a team to help grow on Amazon. And this could either be retailer building a team, agency building a team, whatever. What what are some what are some thoughts there on how to build a team, and and I think it probably becomes obvious to a lot of people that that you're going to need to e- at least have either a team of individuals or a team of freelancers or a team of agencies or whatever to to help you fully capitalize on Amazon because you're such a monster. Um, so, mm-hmm. what advice would you give on assembling a team? Well, f- first, two mistakes that brands make. One is saying, let's just go hire someone from Amazon who can take care of everything. (laughs) And um, I've worked with Amazonians, very smart people. Amazon's very... You mean mean, um, um, looking for like a former Amazonian or someone who's at Amazon now or or either one? A a former Amazonian. Bringing someone in from Amazon because Mm -hmm. they'll know how everything works and they'll just handle everything for us. Yeah. They probably Um, had lunch with Jeff Bezos like once a week if they worked at Amazon. They got to know everything. That's right. That's right. Have your cell phone number, text anytime. (laughs) Um, So Amazonians, extremely smart, hardworking people as a a rule. Overworked, most of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, there's a lot Um, of former Amazonians out there. Yes, exactly. But the thing is, because Amazon's such an enormous company, hundreds of thousands of employees and very discreet divisions that are off running a million miles an hour to, to deliver on their goals, um, it's very rare to find someone who really understands the full picture of selling on Amazon. If they come from the performance marketing team, they're not going to understand about how what is the logic behind POs being placed and and reordered. If they are a former vendor manager, they're not going to understand much about paid search or display advertising or anything like that. So that hiring ex-Amazonians is fine, but you can't expect it to be a 
silver bullet for everything in your Amazon to sort of I yeah, totally agree. And I think, you know, what I've, what I've heard, and I believe this to be true, Amazon is more like a thousand companies within one. It's not, mm. not one big company. It's all these yeah. little entrepreneurial companies that are running. And you're absolutely yeah. right. The vendor manager doesn't know what the seller manager is doing. And the ad managers are not talking to the seller man. Like, and that's part of that's by design just because they're moving so fast. So right. yeah, 100% agree. There can be some great insights, some great stories from few, uh, uh, former Amazonians. But, but to think that I've got an Amazon, a former Amazonian now helping me. They know all things Amazon. Not true. Mm. And Amazon changes at a crazy, insane speed. So what was even taking place when that person worked at Amazon may be completely different now. Yes, that's, that's a great point as well. Um, and I think that the second mistake that happens when a brand is considering how they're going to staff their Amazon function is not to put anyone in charge or not put anyone in charge, put someone in charge who doesn't have the ability to make decisions and look at everything from a from a, a strategic point of view. And this goes back to what we were talking about before this full stack requirement. You need to have buy-in from every area of your organization in order to get anything done. Because if your customer service function is not responding to negative reviews and not responding to customer messages, guess what? Your account's going to get shut down or you're going to have, you know, a bad reputation, uh, reputational situation on your hands. So you need to have someone involved with leading the Amazon initiative who has, is able to pull some weight in the organization and really dig in. So some, some, someone who owns Amazon, the Amazon channel as a whole, someone who owns the, the full stack as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Or someone who is able to use their sort of political gravitas internally to get people on board with that. Um, and so, you know, that might be the CMO in some organizations. There was there was someone who I interviewed for my book who had the title head of Amazon. He's the head of Amazon at the mattress company Toft and & Yeah. And so, they, like, now within some companies, there is an Amazon leader, um, which I think is great because then... That it's that person's job to make sure everyone else comes along the way. It's not just part of someone's job. Great. So you got so you got the head of Amazon, and we and we see that some with our clients as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that's in the exercise and fitness equipment business, large manufacturer, and and they have a, a sales manager who became basically just focused on Amazon because it's such a huge channel for them. Yeah. Now. So you've got someone Great. who's kind of the the head of Amazon for a brand. And mm-hmm. then underneath that, then you're going to need specialists, right? You need specialists on on different areas of the Amazon business, I would assume. Uh, or, or what? What, yeah. what else would you recommend on on for for building that team? Yeah, well, from here, you need to decide what kind of what functions you're going to keep internal and which ones you're going to keep external with an mm-hmm. agency or a consultant or a or a specialist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, we were talking before the call, there's no right or wrong way here. If you've got people on your team who have that kind of experience and they can manage these functions, then that's great. But a couple of things to think about with the, with an internal team, it's attractive because you get to build and retain your institutional knowledge. And so an internal person is going to understand what's coming down the product development pipeline. What products do we have issues with quality that we might want to pull back on? What kind of, what approval am I going to get for budgets this year with marketing? Like there's, there's some information that as great as your 
agency or consultant might be, they're just not going to be privy to certain business decisions that are being made. And so it's helpful in a lot of cases to have someone who is can provide that continuity and uh, you could, you want to invest in to build institutional knowledge and get them up to speed with the Amazon piece as well as all the other businesses decisions that are being made. Um, the, other, the other benefit of have, working with an internal team is sometimes not always, and we'll talk about exceptions probably, is the allure of lower costs. So with an agency, you're paying for that person's time and then you're paying a premium to access them typically. On the flip side, when you're working with an agency, there's an expectation that there's going to be very minimal ramp up time with your with their capabilities. You're hiring an agency or a consultant for their expertise. They should know what they're talking about and they should be able to deliver results really quickly. The same goes if someone at your agency leaves and the expectation is that they're going to put someone else on right away. So there's not going to be any downtime, whereas there would be if you had an employee leave and that could take, especially for a very specialized role like this still is, three to six months to actually replace that position. Yeah. And it's so there's hard to find people. There's totally pros and cons. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. But yeah, there, there we see that a lot where uh, even with our agency trying to hire someone with a lot of Amazon experience, it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to find them. Like people that are really yes. good and have Amazon experience, they're working somewhere. They're 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 in the game. Uh, they're not out mm-hmm. there job hunting. And so that's that's mm-hmm. tricky. And and yeah, you know, you and I are, are biased to a certain degree. We run agencies. We see the we see the benefit there and and there there certainly is this element where when you hire an agency, it's not just one person. You usually have a team, three or four from that agency working with you, and that's a benefit. But yeah, there could be cost savings and, and, and owning of processes if you bring it all in-house. Do you, do you have any advice for someone who's maybe trying to decide? And, and we've, we've had, we have really long-term clients with our agency. We've had others that have come to us and said, hey, we eventually want to bring this in-house, but we'd like to work mm-hmm. with you for now. And and by the way, we're fine with either way. But do you have any advice on when when should you look for hiring something and building your own team versus assembling maybe a team of agencies to, to help hmm. you? Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts on this. One is be honest with your agency. If you want to bring it in-house, it's better to find an agency that's going to work with you on that rather right. than... You know, be some agencies are more open to sharing and training, and they might even build that into their program with you. And then other agencies, if you're not upfront about that, they're going to they're not going to appreciate that you know, that move. So I I would say be honest and find an agency that's willing to work with you on that. The second thing is um, that. There's some roles I think are just inherently more suited to keeping in-house versus outsourcing. Um, And it's not just because I'm talking with Brett, (laughs) but I truly (laughs) think that PPC and advertising is difficult to keep in-house or like do a really good job of in-house. And the reason for that is that brain, brain trust kind of atmosphere that comes with an agency and the fact that agency, um, uh, advertising specialists within agencies get such a broad pool of experience working with other accounts and other specialists. And mm-hmm. we where we have a, a Slack channel that we use 
at bobsled and it's just all day hey this popped up oh there's this beta program who's had experience with that or there's this weird error what's going on there and so if you're working in a silo by yourself as a ppc specialist within a company um you just don't get that exposure so that's fully the, agree. That's and one area I think has yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Uh, pr- appreciate that. I, I totally agree though. And we, you know, we have internal meetings, and we just had one yesterday where it's kind of a, sh- a show and tell time where everybody brings something interesting, either something that they have a question on or something that was interesting or breakthrough, and we share that uh, around a table, and you know, lots of new ideas come out of that. So mm-hmm. that's something that yeah, you miss if you just have you know one internal employee working on on ads as an example. Um, what, what about, uh, yeah, any other thoughts on that? And then what about, what about roles that are good to have in-house? I've got, I've got a few thoughts on that too. Uh, yeah, I think the, the good roles to have in-house is uh, brand. And it, it's good to have a consistent, you know, someone who's really overseeing brand across every channel because mm-hmm. people duck in and out of Amazon during the purchase journey they go into a store, they're looking at reviews of a product to figure out if they want to buy it. And they still might buy it in a store, but mm-hmm. they're looking on Amazon to see what other information there is. You walk into a lot of stores these days, you can't find an associate. They don't know what they're talking about. So people are using Amazon to supplement their uh, the, the information that they're getting in a store sometimes. Um, so you really want brand to be consistent from channel to channel. I think that that always makes sense to keep... Um, someone in in house involved with that. Yeah, I totally agree. And and some of the most successful relationships we've had with clients, where both it just it just worked from a communication standpoint and collaboration, and things were just rolling, and we were getting good results and all that. Uh, often there is a, a CMO, right? So there's someone who, and then that would kind of I think totally line up with what you're saying with brand. So the CMO mm. kind of receives everything. They they own messaging and brand and just the direction of the company. So they're always there kind of as that that voice of seeing the big picture and making sure we're, we're driving to hit goals and stay on message and stuff like that. And then we've seen it with some other clients where, you know, then they'll have kind of directors of different areas. So you'll have like a head of marketplace, um, a head of digital ads. So someone will kind of oversee like our, your Google Ads initiatives and then someone who's maybe over social. And, and often mm-hmm. then what those directors do is they help interface with agencies and or freelancers and they yep. help own those channels. So now they can think strategically and they can dig into the numbers and they can hold agencies accountable or freelancers accountable and, and really push things forward. So the, uh, that type of setup where there's CMO and then these directors of different areas of marketing that we work with, like we love that setup and it, and it mm. seems to, to work well. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is actually the the reason why I set up the Marketplace Institute is so many brands sort of graduate to a level where they want to bring at least some of this function in-house, but they still want to have access to best practices and advice and expertise that they would get from an agency. Mm. And so a, it, that, that could be a, an alternative to consider as well as if you want to... Um, upskill your existing team or even bring someone new in and train them up with some really good processes and give them access to good resources from experts and peers. Um, that is the whole reason why I uh, I put the Marketplace Institute together is to solve that need of brands who want to have an internal team and essentially have their cake and eat it too and 
still get the advantage of best practices that way. It's a beautiful idea, and and you, you you're totally. Uh, finding the gap there of people that say, hey, I don't really want to pay like full service agency fees. But I know I'm shortchanging myself if I just have, you know, one or two internal team members. So how can I kind of have the best of both worlds? And that's what the Marketplace Institute does, which is which is awesome. So kudos to you. Uh, awesome concept. Uh, kudos on, on building that. Um, Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the book and some of your findings from the book. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is kind of aimed at CMOs, right? And and so yep. it's Amazon for CMOs. What were some of the interesting findings um, that came up as you're putting this book together? One of them is something that you just alluded to, which is Amazon is a thousand different businesses. There is there's media, and they're making you know huge strides in their advertising division, which is extremely profitable and just like this magical cash cow that seemingly appeared overnight. Um, there's and the then, then now the number three ad platform, even though they're a retailer, yeah. right? So but behind right. Google and Facebook, but yeah, I saw like yes. 10, 10 to 14 billion, something like that this year and up to, to 20 billion in ad revenue yeah. alone over the next couple mm-hmm. of years. It's, an, it's a mind boggling number and they're continuing to pour mm-hmm. more and more resources and their, their ad platforms are coming better and better, which is, which is cool. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's a really good point. So it's still a distant third to Facebook and Google in right. terms of, mm-hmm. of ad spend. And that's because still primarily most ad budget being spent on Amazon is for brands selling on the platform, mm-hmm. using performance advertising, PPC, AMS, all that stuff. Um, but what is less known is Amazon also has a media advertising business, which is doing pretty well and growing pretty quickly and adding new features all the time. So non-endemic brands, so car companies, insurance companies. I was targeted a couple of weeks ago for a college savings plan because Amazon knows from my shopping history, I have a toddler and (laughs) I get targeted for... time. Yeah, exactly. So this is actually an amazing... Uh, media channel for college savings companies, insurers, banks, car companies, because they Amazon knows where you live, people in household, presence of pets. Um, you know, they know so much about not just what we intend to do or what we're searching for or what we're interested in, but what we actually research and buy. Yeah. Um, that and that so shopper data is so powerful. It's even, I mean, yeah. I think what you, what you're actively looking for and more importantly, what you're buying says more about you than almost anything else. Right. And, and, and right. Google, Google can build great audiences. Google knows a lot about you too, but mm-hmm. Amazon's right there. And, and for them to know all of your purchase history yeah, I'm super excited about that side of Amazon and, and, the, and the growth that's there, which, which is super cool. So, um, mm. cool. So, so we got kind of sidetracked on ads and that was my fault, but, yeah. but, but a good sidetrack. Uh, yeah. so, so it's a thousand companies. Uh, yeah. what, what else are some, some findings from the book? Yeah, so it's, it's a thousand companies. And so that makes it a little intimidating to look at and figure out you know, if you are a brand of a, of a significant size to Amazon, you're getting pitched all these programs and advertise here and run this promotion. And there's just so much going on. And one um, one uh, interview that I really enjoyed and got out a, a lot of, because we, we interviewed 
my co-author and I interviewed um, about 20 CMOs and retail executives for this book. So it wasn't just me. It was actually another um, industry veteran, Mark Power and myself. We teamed up to write this book and we interviewed 20 CMOs about their Amazon um, journeys, process, processes, strategies, things like that. So it's a real voice of the industry. One of the uh, CMOs that we interviewed, Leo Troutwine, he had a really great take on innovation and just how to think about innovation from a dollars to invest standpoint. And this is something that people very rarely talk about, but he was talking about his uh, innovation budget is 10%. And that is not just, you know, new crazy experiments. It's new channels, new customer types, new targeting types, new products, and just thinking in a really strategic way about how you're going to look at things like voice commerce. Should we build an Alexa skill? Um, maybe. You need, you're either going to be early or you're going to be late with something like that. And you need to kind of take a position on that and work that into your budget. So that was something that I personally took away from writing my own book, basically. I, I love yeah. that. Yes, yeah, so taking that percentage of budget, whatever it is, and saying, hey, the point of this budget is to kind of explore and research and figure out what is next and what should we do with some of these emerging technologies. And yeah, I'm, I'm a super, super excited about voice commerce, geek out about it. I order through our Echo devices pretty frequently. Mm -hmm. So so curious to see, but you know, there's not a ton of practical applications for most sellers right now, but but I think right. there will be uh, at some point. Right. So cool, yep. cool, cool. Uh, other, any other findings you want to kind of highlight right now? Yeah, um, that one of the themes that we pulled out was this sort of spectrum of engagement with Amazon. And there's some brands, there's a spectrum of actively engaged, partially engaged, actively unengaged, and ignorant. Um, so ignorance, the only place where you don't want to be. Everything else can work. Mm -hmm. um, so ignorant brands just say, you know, we some of these luxury beauty brands, for example, we don't want to be in the same card as someone's toilet paper. Mm. Mm -mm. And guess what? Those products are on Amazon. People are buying them. They're just buying them from shady 3P <laughs> sellers. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah. But that's the ignorant part of it is that some of these brands just don't even realize how Amazon works and that they are on Amazon, but they've got just complete, don't have any control over that experience at all. So actively invested, the example I love to use is Anchor, the, or Anker, I, I don't know, it's like a German name, so I'm probably mispronouncing it, but they... The phone charging, started, like the, the charging cords and stuff like that? Is that yeah. That? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Great products. Great, great products in an exceptionally challenging category. So crowded. I mean, Amazon Basics as well as in there as and, well. And commoditized. You're talking about cables and chargers and power banks. Super commoditized. Yeah. And they've managed to build a brand, a recognizable brand in this super commoditized category. And they started, it's only about 10 years old, this company. They started on Amazon and they were exclusive on Amazon for, for several years. And what they did was they squeezed every last drop out of whatever Amazon data they could get. So product reviews. What are people saying about our products? What are people saying about competitors' products? How can we iterate on that in our product development lifecycle to bring people what they really want? 
where is this category going? And this is 10 years ago. There wasn't half as much data available to brands as there is today. And today, Anchor is sold in 30 countries. You buy their products at Best Buy. It's like a really, it's a sizable, recognizable brand that went all in on Amazon in the beginning. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And and I think... Um, you know, the, the, the way you frame that is, is great. You know, the only, there, there could be strategic reasons for living in mm-hmm. one of those quadrants, just not the ignorant piece, just not, I don't know what's going yeah. on or I don't understand. Or, or someone saying, I'm a luxury brand. I don't want to be in the same car as toilet paper. Well, then you don't understand how people think about Amazon because the person buying right. on, a lot of people, all, everything they buy online, they buy on Amazon or they start there first mm-hmm. and they don't think about, does your brand equate with my toilet paper? Like, that's not what people are thinking. Yeah. They're just thinking, fast, easy, and this is the brand I want. So, so yeah, I think that is the only quadrant that, that you can't afford to be in is, is the ignorant mm-hmm. quadrant for sure. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So let's talk about some, what are some shortcuts for, or some hacks for growing fast on Amazon? So any, any tips, shortcuts, mm-hmm. how can we achieve rapid growth on Amazon? That's what we all want. Well, I think um, you did a really great episode with Casey Goss from uh, Viral yeah, Launch. Yeah, dude, dude's a legend. Love that guy. Listen to that episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, listen, I think that there is a, there's a sea of information about Amazon and tactics and hacks and things like that to 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 get fast results. Nothing beats consist like having a plan and just consistently knocking that out. And it really, it when you break it down, it's so boring. It's great content. It's inventory planning so you don't run out of stock because that will just, you know, you could have the sexiest plan, amazing, you know, exciting strategy. And if you're out of inventory for two weeks, you drip, yep. drop in the yep. rankings and you have to climb up from the bottom again. So it's really boring stuff. Inventory planning, making sure your products are prime eligible, creating and re- reiterating on really great product content that answers people's questions. Good photography. Just it's so when you break it down, there is it's all very simple, obvious stuff. I think that people honestly get carried away with the sexy tactics. I agree. I totally agree. And I think what's also good good advice is so, so take product photography as an example where mm-hmm. I think what we have a tendency to do is we look at our, our listing and we say, ooh, I need better pictures. So we go out, we hire a photographer or we do it ourselves, whatever. Mm-hmm. Add some more pictures. Great. Got that done. Check that off the list. Pictures are good. Mm-hmm. Without then revisiting it, right? Without thinking about yeah. what have my competitors done? Now that I'm right. getting more feedback in my product reviews, could I add some more images, some diagrams, some how-to? Could I add video to the listing to explain something better? What, I mean, mm-hmm. just just this, some of the core things don't change, right? We always need mm-hmm. more reviews. We always need mm-hmm. better, you know, more information in some ways. Or we need better pictures. So how do we get this process yeah. of, of iteration? You know, and, and I, yeah. I think sometimes we just, we check something off a list and it's out of sight, out of mind at that point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, totally. And, and the same with the advertising strategies as well. There's, you, you can't, whether you've got an internal person or you've got an agency, you can't go to them and and say, we want to grow 50% and cut budget by 40%. Right. That has to yeah. be. Yeah. You need to make a decision. Are we focused on efficiency and profitability or are we focused on growth and 
stick to that plan. And it takes yep. a couple, I'm not just trying to, um, you know, uh, protect myself here, but it takes months for a good PPC campaign to actually reveal itself. And, um, you know, Amazon attribution, it's different to other platforms. It takes 14 days for sales to properly attribute to a campaign. So the slow and, slow and steady wins the race. Don't make rash decisions about um, your PPC campaigns. Don't just pause campaigns for no reason. Um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. 100% cool agree. And you, level-headed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you can also get, you know, too focused on the the numbers or, or too, not too focused, that's the wrong word, but too myopic about, about just certain numbers. ACOS yeah. as an example, right? Don't, I mean, understand what ACOS is. Understand what your ultimate goal is with your advertising, mm-hmm. your initiatives. Is it to increase total sales? Is it to increase ranking? Is it is it to, to ward off competitors? You know, so I, I think we can get myopic and short-sighted about, about individual metrics without looking at how everything works together. And that's, that's really yeah. important. Uh, as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about a couple of things. I want to talk, I want to talk processes and I want to talk tools. So growing mm-hmm. on Amazon, what are, what are some processes that maybe you find people are missing and or mm-hmm. tools for growth that, that you find sellers are missing on Amazon? Mm-hmm. So um, when we looked at all of our processes the agency to put them into the Marketplace Institute, we have 85 processes that we're going to be launched with right away. So um, wow. it's... Let's list them are, all, please. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, how much time from, we got? From memory. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, so the, there is... Um, there's, there's a lot there. And to the point that we were making earlier as well, once you figure out what what's important for you to do internally versus versus relying on a system that an agency or a consultant brings because they will have their own, if they're good, they'll have their own system, they'll have their own processes, they'll have people in charge of those and double-checking them and going back and, you know, they, they will have their own system. So let's say if you decide to keep your operations um, function internal, um, then you're going to have, you're going to, want to just look at that discrete set of processes that you're going to need to do there. What I recommend rather than like getting into individual processes is instituting a 90-day review cycle of your Amazon channel and fresh piece of paper. What What's going on? What happened? What do we see when we search for our brand on Amazon? What do we see when we search for our flagship products on Amazon and do kind of like a share of voice analysis and really, every ninety days, just look at the business from, you know, from a, a fresh perspective, and that will help you decide where you need to be spending time and revitalizing your processes. So, if you figure out, for example, that you had great sales and they dropped off a cliff because you were out of stock, then, you know, then there's an issue with your inventory management system there and you need a process around that. So there's some trial and error involved to establish what, what your weak points are there. Um, but the, yeah, the, all, yeah. I, all I can say is that the processes that you need are, are very extensive and a, a lot of those um, 
yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. What what about, what about <laughs> no, 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 that's good. And I, and I think starting with what areas do we want to manage in house versus outsource, yeah. that's going to help you understand what processes do you really need to zero in on and, and kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. What, what about, what about tools? Any, any tools you'd recommend maybe outside of the obvious or if they are obvious, you can mm-hmm. mention, you know, some of your favorites, but, but tools. Yes. Let me call out a couple of our favorites that we use at Bobsled. One is Helium 10 which is a whole suite of keyword research and optimization tools. Um, and they have really neat ways of look, looking up, uh, like doing a reverse ASIN lookup, for example, where you can see what are the keywords that your competitors or similar products are, are uh, ranking for. And that can be really helpful for both organic and paid um, optimization there. We also, there are a million and one different uh, PPC uh, suites out there now. I get, I don't know about you, Brett, but I get pitched on three new PPC tools a week. Yep, yep <laughs> absolutely. It's weekly. It's a weekly barrage. Yep, they're everywhere. Yes. Yep. Um, and there are really smart, really, really smart people working on this stuff. Um, and so I think that rather than you need to assess what you really want to get out of a PPC suite before you just jump in with one because for some brands, if they're not working with an agency or consultant, you really want a very automated system and also be prepared to give up a little, you know, some control and some nuance there. And then for others, it's about it's less about automating processes and it's more about getting... Um, I'm drawing a blank on uh, day parting or something like that, where you know there's some very specific things that um, brands know about their customers' buying behaviors that they really only purchasing purchase protein powder in the evenings or something like that. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say choose your PPC platform carefully based on what your needs are. But, you know, like in this day and age, not using PPC software to automate some tasks or to find hidden opportunities or to improve efficiency is a massive opportunity if you don't have that in place already and you're doing things internally still. Yeah, and, and, and I love the advice there. I think this this translates to a lot of different areas and not just PPC software, but don't just go looking for PPC software. Don't make your goal, I want I want to automate my PPC. So now I'm just going to start meeting with these different software mm-hmm. platforms because then you'll be then you'll be susceptible to just choosing the best salesperson, right? Or just choosing based on price, right? So come at it with a clear set of objectives. These are the things I need to automate. These are the things I need help with. If I if I could have help with these things. And that's going to be a win. And so then you've got some yeah. real criteria to kind of then pick the yeah. best PPC tool out there. And, and there, there are some good ones. There are some yeah. that I, I'm not a real fan of, but there's some good ones. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but I think coming at it with that criteria makes a lot more sense than just you know, go find a PPC tool because then it's just going to be right. more about the relationship or the salesperson or whatever. So. Yes. Yep, exactly. And and there's some, there's some tools where... Uh, uh, Kenshu, for example, really big. Um, Very enterprise uh, focused. Enterprise. So like if you're a small brand, like they just won't take you. Right. And their feature set is just way too advanced for what you right. need. So there's also different levels of sophistication. 
And it's not always it's not always helpful for you to go out and get the most sophisticated tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Kiri, this has been really, really good. Uh, as we kind of wrap up here, how can people find out more? So, so how can people find your book? How can they uh, find out more about the marketplace and bobsled? And, and how can they connect with, with Kiri? The 17 different projects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll link to everything in the show notes too to make it easy, but go ahead. Okay, great. So um, if you're interested in grabbing that book, Amazon for CMOs, just Google Amazon for CMOs and it will show up. It's all it's on Amazon, Kindle version, paperback. There will be an Audible version soon as well. Love um, Audible. Then, Love it. Yes. It's, it's, you, you know, it's, uh, just quick question, yeah. purely curious. And uh, do you narrate your own uh, story or does someone else do that? I haven't. Um, done it yet. So um, <laughs> I feel it. nervous about committing to this. But yes, my co-author Mark and I will be alternating chapters. He's also Australian. Um, so we're hoping that, you know, any flaws in the in the text will be covered up by our accents. That's beautiful. And and I and I didn't just ask because I'm I'm going back to the accent thing, which I love again, but uh, I've noted I'm a I'm a junkie for the audiobooks. I'm I'm a huge yeah. Audible fan. If someone recommends a book to me, I'll buy it on Audible like that day typically and listen to it. But there's a big difference between just hiring some voice actor to read mm-hmm. your book with lots of mm-hmm. dramatic inflection versus you, the author, reading it. Yeah. When the author reads it, I, I enjoy the audio 10 times more. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it is it is an important question because some authors just aren't good narrators. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, if, you got, if, you, if your voice is just grating or you just don't do... do yeah. Yeah. So all, all things, you know, if, you, if you're like a Jim Collins, which I'm a huge Jim, Jim Collins fan... Just re-listen to Good to Great, man. I think I think every business owner <laughs> listen to Good to Great every couple of years, even if you know the concepts, you forgot some stuff. And Jim Collins is just the man. Uh, but like when he narrates his books, there's such yeah. passion there, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's just awesome. So like that's that's ideal for me as a as an audiobook listener. Yeah, uh, you can forgive a lot. You can forgive some of the flaws in the audio if it's the author. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yep. So that's Good. Amazon for CMOs. And then um, the Marketplace Institute, this is, again, the self-serve place to train up your team, access. um, A big part of that is the Amazon helpline where you can actually call up and get advice on specific issues and join a a mastermind of peers as well. So that's the marketplaceinstitute.com. And then I also, if you want to connect with me personally, I'm really active on LinkedIn. You can find me, Kiri, Kiri Masters. So Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Kiri Masters, ladies and gentlemen. And again, we will link to everything in the show notes. So at ecommerceevolution.com, you can find a link to all of that. If you're driving and had a hard time remembering, check that out. And you can connect with Kiri in various ways. So Kiri, this has been a blast. Great to talk to a fellow podcaster, fellow agency owner. Really appreciate you taking the time and coming on. Thank you, Brett. Great to be here. I'll have to have you on my show to talk about YouTube ads. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. It's recorded now, so we're committed. Uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks again. Tons of fun. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and as always, thank you, those who tuned in. We'd love to hear from you. Give us feedback on the show, topic ideas, whatever feedback you'd like to share would be fantastic. A review on iTunes, maybe. If you feel compelled, <laughs> leave a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. It makes my day as well. So with that, until next time, thank you for listening. 
At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.